0: Well hello everyone, Um, unfortunately uh, at church yesterday uh, on the 3rd of November Uh, we had uh, some technical issues with the recording Um, and uh, what I've decided to do is I've come in uh, to the office a little bit earlier this morning to be able to re-record my sermon in a way. Obviously it's going to be different, it can't be the same in terms of delivery but um, because what we're trying to do over the month of November is kind of so important uh, in terms of teaching, I wanted to and take some time to re-record the message so that as many of the church family can listen to it as possible okay so over the next four weeks we're going to do a bit of a study here together on Sundays Uh, around an area of Christian thinking called the Doctrine of the Incarnation. We're going to be joined next week by a guest speaker, Brian Saunders, a friend of ours from America, who's going to be teaching into helping us to reflect together on what the Incarnation tells us about what God is like. After that, Sam Moore is going to help us reflect together on what the Incarnation tells us about what it means to be human. And then at the end of the month, I'm going to teach into what the incarnation shows us about what it means to be the church what what it tells us about the future and shape of the church but what i want to do for this uh this session is to do a short overview and, and an introduction into what the doctrine of the incarnation is all about, and to help us do that, we're going to be looking today at two key biblical texts, starting with a passage from the beginning of John's gospel. So, uh, if you've got a Bible there with you at home uh, or wherever you're listening, uh, feel free to open that up and to read along. We're going to be looking at John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18, and it begins with these words. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowd, This is the one I was talking to you about, when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another, for the law was given Through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God's love to us. And this amazing passage speaks right to the very heart of what the Incarnation is is all about and if you've got it open in front of you i I want you to scan through it with me again for just a moment particularly focusing in on verses one to five in verses one and two john masterfully writes about someone who pre-exists creation itself pre-exists creation itself And then in verse 3, we hear about someone who was integral to and an agent within all of creation, being brought into being. And then in verse 4, we hear about someone who who gives life to everything and light to everyone. And then finally in verse 5, we're introduced to someone whose very life force can never be extinguished. And this is all incredibly important. But in the middle of all of that, there's one key in particular that I want us to pick up on. Going right back to verse 1 again, John writes, In the beginning the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now now this is very powerful language and imagery uh, that, 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 that John is using here, some of which first started to appear in Greek thought around... Uh, the sixth century BC. What John is doing here is that he's taking the language and imagery of his day and he's using it to help people then and now us as we read along to see something new and unique about who Jesus is. Our English lets us down a little bit here, but the Greek translation for word that John uses here. It actually means something very different. It translates into another word entirely, which you can't see, but it was on the screens yesterday, which is logos, L-O-G-O-S. Which was an idea that had its roots in a type of philosophy, which taught that all of creation was in a state of constant flux and that nothing ever stayed the same. And behind that everlasting and consistent change was something that ordered the whole, a divine logos, or God. But while the Greek thought of John's day would have held the dualist belief that God, having created the world, chose to stay outside of it, we can see very clearly from the picture that John gives us is that he has, wants, to, wants us to see something very different is happening here. John wants us to see that in Jesus the logos god himself who is uncreated and eternal has entered into human history as as a real human in the flesh as it were and we see this kind of worked out again if we fast forward uh, to the a phrase translated for us in verse 14 and we read god has made his home among us in another uh, is another important metaphor for the reality of god's tangible presence on the earth john is telling us all of this with such powerful clarity not only has jesus come to reveal god to us and to give us the right to become his children but he has fully entered into time and space to redeem and restore everything that has ever happened and everything that will ever happen in time and space so the incarnation is all about god becoming a human being it is about God visiting and redeeming his people. It is about God joining us in our lostness. It is about God becoming flesh and making his dwelling among us. But above all, and if there's if there's just one thing that you take away from this uh, podcast, let it be this. It, above all, the incarnation is about the greatest love affair of all time. It's, it's God's love for you. God's love for you. For me, God's love for all of creation and the the city that we are surrounded by. And the, the, the danger in all of this is that we forget entirely that we're not just trying to top up on information in this series. But we're talking about someone who we can know, love and experience. Someone who came to free us and to give himself for us. Well, what we need to do at this point is kind of take it a step further and drill down into some more of the detail so that we're even clearer on what we mean and what we don't mean when we talk about the incarnation. There's all kinds of different things that we could talk about here, but I want us to focus in on just one thing in particular. To start with, when we talk about God becoming a human being, we don't mean that God stopped being God. Okay. God didn't turn into a human being using some kind of supernatural gift of metamorphosis. No, he takes up humanity into himself in the person of Jesus at the moment of his conception. And in taking on our nature, he didn't put off his own. It wasn't an either or thing with God. He assumed everything that it meant to be human but didn't leave behind anything of what it means to divine, to be divine. Uh, As the Word became flesh, as the Logos, the uncreated and eternal God, steps into time and space, he didn't stop being God. And then secondly, when we talk about the word becoming flesh, we don't mean that all he did was grew muscle and sinew and and could walk and talk like we can. Jesus wasn't some kind of hybrid with a a human body and a divine mind. Jesus was a complete human being with a human mind and human emotions, a human psyche and a subconscious as well as a human body. He had everything that makes up what it means to be human, as well as having everything that it means to be divine. He was, and still is, fully divine and fully human. At the incarnation, Jesus remained God, and yet took on what it means to be human. And for roughly 30 years, he lived here among us on the earth. So these, when we talk about the incarnation, these two aspects are central to our understanding our thinking when God became human he didn't at that moment stop being God and then secondly when we say the word became flesh we don't mean that he reluctantly adopted a physical body as a host for his divine self no Jesus lived a fully human life and embraced everything that it means to be human okay let's move on to our second uh, biblical text for this morning which comes out of Uh, Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. And Paul writes this. But when the right time came, God sent his son born of a woman. Subject to the law, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children and because we are his children god has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts prompting us to call out abba father now you are no longer a slave but god's own child and since you are his child god has made you his heir i just love uh, those words that paul writes to the church in galatia and what I want us to do is to focus here just on how he has constructed the, the, the beginning of that section in verse 4, which reads, When the time had fully come. When the time had fully come. God sent his son. Paul is letting us in on the good news here. The incarnation is the centre point of all history the, the conception and birth of Jesus was a time in history unlike any other it was the moment of all moments and the author C.S. Lewis uh, makes this very same point in his famous poem the turn of the tide where he pictures the the moment where the tide is neither going out or coming in a moment of stillness before momentous change and then suddenly the tide begins to rush in again that's exactly what Paul sees as happening in this Logos moment of the Incarnation. Galatians 4 is Paul's way of saying that something decisive has happened to the very constitution of the cosmos. It's the turning point of all time. But how does this all happen? What is the point in time that has become the axis of all other times? Paul goes on to write, It is the birth of a baby. Hope has become human and it has a name, Jesus, born of Mary. The promised one has come. This is what the incarnation is all about. God has become part of his world. Something new, dramatic and eternal has happened, which is relevant, we believe, for every particle of matter and every moment of time god has become one of us immanuel this is the beating heart of the doctrine of the incarnation and i want to suggest the beating heart of the gary gospel itself it is the story that we as christians are called to live our lives in light of to, we're called to live our lives out from underneath this reality and truth now if um, you were there yesterday at church, you would have seen me put up my final image, which is a picture that Becky took uh, when we were in the West last week for a couple of days on our own. And in the background, there's Bay and Cropatric, and we were just sitting there, standing there on the beach, just in amazement at this beautiful vista right in front of us. But over to my right, I saw this guy uh, training on a road bike and he was oblivious to the beauty around him he was so focused on the inches in front of him as he battled away in his bike and in that moment i just became all too aware of the danger there is for us as well to lose the reality or miss the truth that john and paul are steering us towards today in our two readings by by letting the day-to-day stuff of our lives swallow us up in fear doubt distraction and worry We so need the Holy Spirit to guide us and to give us new and fresh revelation of these Logos truths to help steady and root us in our lives. And that's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit who, like Jesus, is also God. One of the things he is always doing is revealing Jesus to people. And that's where I want us to finish. First, to invite the presence of God Into our lives in a fresh way to minister to us refresh us and to show us Jesus and his incarnation with new eyes of faith today so wherever you are whether you're at home or on your way to work just take a moment to be still completely still and just be open to the presence of God with you and as you wait Give your yes to the Holy Spirit. And going back to that reading um, out of Galatians chapter 4, if you're comfortable, if you're happy to do this, why don't you invite the Holy Spirit to reconnect you to the truth and reality that you are His child. Why don't you take a minute to invite the Holy Spirit to reconnect you to the reality that you are a co-heir in God's kingdom with Christ. Why don't you invite the Holy Spirit to reconnect you to the greatest love affair of all time. Reconnecting you to the very heart of the gospel that you are loved as a child of god have a great week everybody